Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Guys alive out there? Oh, it looks like I'm working ahead of me, huh? I love it. Hey, I'm excited about the first birthday. I don't know about you, but uh, I cannot believe we're one year old coming up. It's actually incredible to think that all that God's done this last year. I think about all the cool stuff that's happened in our church, but man, next week is going to be an awesome celebration. And I'm just really excited to really just share the stories, just the power of what God has done, the work he's done, just to really lift up everything that's happened in the church. And of course, we're going to have a big party. We always love the party, right? We have the biggest party yet. But what I'm really excited about is our baptism. Last week, we had 12 people signed up, and we're like, all right, we got this under control. Well, over the course of the week, we have had six more. So now 18 people getting baptized next week, which is incredible. And I don't know if you realize how significant that is, that 18 people are going to get baptized here in this one location in our church. That is actually 10% of our average attendance getting baptized. So literally 10% of our church... So I don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to work out, but uh, we got it all figured out. But man, it's just going to be an awesome day. So I encourage you to bring some friends out. This will be a great time to really see what real life is all about, our culture. It's really going to be a celebration. There's not even much of a, a preaching message, but it's going to be a celebration of what God has done this last year. And if you're, you've been a part of this, man, thank you so much. I mean, generosity has made a huge difference. And uh, honestly, we're further and farther faster than we thought we'd be in a year because of you guys' donations and gifts and service. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, coming up with the next two weeks, we're having life group signups. And so we're excited what God has doing. We have a largest group of life groups yet. We have 13 adult groups to sign up. And after the gathering is your best time to get signed up. I don't encourage you to get on the ground floor. This is at the heart of our house. This is really why we do church. It's really not about showing up and leaving. It's about getting together and making relationships. So you even got connected in a community of people who know you, who love you. Maybe you get to find your Paul there. Maybe you get to pour into somebody spiritually, get poured into spiritually. Hey, but right after the gathering, man, I encourage you to jump in, find somebody, meet somebody new, check it out online and get signed up. I really encourage you to be a part of what God's going to do in and through our life groups. So over the last three weeks, we've talked about this series, I Believe in You. So it came a little rundown over the last three weeks. A lot's kind of happened. So the first week we talked about imparting spiritual life, just giving life back to the next generation. Now we're called to create well-rounded, well-educated kids that are happy, but we're called to release Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers for the cause of Christ. They believe in the next generation, that we're going to impart spiritual life into them. We're not going to lay down our kids and the next generation at the altar of materialism or being happy. We're going to send them out as Christ sent them. And we ask God to prolong our days, that they could see the works and the power of him in our life and they'd be changed and live for that mission. Amen. And so we're pushing that direction to impart spiritual life. I believe it happens in relationships. And so the next week we celebrate the next generation. Now, if you remember the kids and the youth and all the great stories of God's power and change in people's lives, we believe that they're the most cause-driven generation in the history of the world. I don't know if you know these youth kids, but man, they go crazy. They'd rather go to Africa and serve people more than you actually think. You just don't give them credit, right? But they're going. They're going crazy. They're on mission. They're on fire. And so we believe they're not just the leaders of tomorrow, but the leaders of today. If you're around youth kids, they're making a difference. The average person comes to Christ when they're a teenager. If you come next week, you're going to see a lot of teenagers getting baptized. Amen. Because God's working in the youth. And so I want to encourage you to come out. And last week, we talked about some practical stuff. How to be a mentor. How to be a leader like Paul, but how to be a follower like Timothy. And we believe that everybody's called to have a Paul. Everybody's called to be a Paul. And so we're asking you to step up and say, hey, I'm going to find somebody to be in an intentional relationship with to grow spiritually. 
And so today as we finish this series, I want to give you something very practical, something I think that applies to all three of those messages, something that applies to something when you're parting spiritual life into the next generation, as you find a Paul and you find Timothy. So today I want to talk about something very practical. I'm going to talk about your choices, because every single one of those conversations is going to happen in a choice. Usually I go to my Paul, I have a decision to make. I'm like, hey, uh, I don't know if I should go left or right. Should I plant a church or not? Should I buy that new car or not? There's people in my life that I go to before I make any major choice. I ask them their opinion on it. And so today I want to give you some, some information, some principles really to help you follow what God has for you as you make choices. You know, some of us, if we're honest, uh, we're not always the greatest decision maker. I don't know if that's you. Do you know anybody that's not a great decision maker? Just raise your hand. Don't point. Maybe we're not a great decision maker. It just kind of happens. Maybe we've made a permanent choice on a temporary emotion. Anybody done that before? Anybody lost their temper over something stupid? You know what I'm talking about. You're on, your, your phone died and you're like, you're throwing it now and now it's breaking or something crazy. Maybe it was a way to church this morning. You don't have to raise your hand. But maybe you lost your temper with your children. You're going to worship Jesus. Shut up. I'm going to kill you. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Shut up, kid. Bless you. Bless you, my child. Don't embarrass me in front of the pastor. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's your family. I don't know. Oftentimes we make decisions we regret. Sometimes we, uh, we dated somebody and we're like, I'll look back. I'm like, why did I date that person? What in the world was I thinking? Or maybe we made a big purchase and it was just a little bit of the wrong direction, a little bit too much money. Or maybe we made a move. Sometimes it starts like this. Hey, guys, watch this. Is that, is that camera rolling? Film this. You know what I'm talking about. You got some buddies like that and little, little redneck. They're like, hold my beer. Something about to go down. There's something crazy going to happen, you know? And so for some of us, we, we make these terrible choices. It starts out kind of crazy. But some of you guys got decisions to make today. Some of you guys graduated high school just a, just a few months back, and you're like, man, what should we be doing? I'm kind of in a spot, but I'm not sure this is what God has for me. Or maybe you're dating somebody, and you're like, ah, this isn't really exactly what I thought I'd be like. Should I stay with this person or not stay with this person? Maybe you feel like your family's stuck in neutral. Maybe it's even going backwards. Maybe you just don't feel like you're happy with your family. Maybe you're in a tough spot. Maybe you just don't know what to do next. You have a choice to make about your kids, about your spouse. You just don't really know what to do. Or maybe you've had your third kid or fourth kid or fifth kid, and you wonder if you should get a little snip, snip, snip. You're like, I don't know. So if you're watching from home, I'm not going to name me any names. But if you're watching from home, this is for you. And if you know who I'm talking about, you can give them some fun stuff like that. All right. But maybe you say, hey, should I buy a new car or should I keep mine resurrected for the next six months with duct tape and prayer? 20 days of prayer with a car, you know what I'm saying? Lord Jesus, like, my car is back, and now I'm trying to fix it, and I'm like, man, Lord, you need more than I can put into this, you know? But we'll make it work, right? And so when people come to me, I get questions all the time. They ask me, hey, what do you think God wants me to do? What do you think God wants me to do, Sean? Hey, you're the pastor. What do you think God wants? It's a number one question I get all the time. And so for me, when I give advice back to somebody's question, oftentimes um, I got to be a little careful how I answer because sometimes the question is really not the question, like the question, I don't like, sometimes I don't like the options. I'm like, man, can we just bat a C, like none of the above, or D, like this, terrible. Your choices are terrible. Like you're thinking too small. Like you're kind of settling. Like I think you're asking the wrong question. I'm kind of thinking there's a different kind of question you should ask because I believe this. I believe God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. I think God wants us to plant seeds of faith that will grow and develop and then people will be changed through that. You know, generations change from being impacted. So we're not talking about small stuff here. Maybe we just think sometimes like how to survive life. But I think God wants you to thrive in life, amen? I think God wants something better for you. Maybe we sell ourselves short. Maybe we're not living by bold faith. And so sometimes when people come to me, I think, man, you're not gonna like the advice I'm about to give. Because it's not one of your answers. 
So we got to kind of take a step back. And so I believe if we're going to lead a change in our family, the next generation, be faithful leaders like Paul or followers like Timothy, we got to grow spiritually. We got to think a little differently about the choices in front of us. And so I want to give you three principles to help you guide your decisions. So three really simple principles to help you think through your choices. The first one is this. Your direction is more important than your destination. Your direction, the way you're walking, is more important than your destination. God is calling you on a journey. If you don't know, this world is not our home, so you can't really going to find a place to park. Ah, comfort. Not going to find that. God isn't calling you to something comfortable. God's just calling you to follow him every step of the way. It says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. Somebody say run. Everybody runs. Everybody runs in a race, but only one person gets the prize. So how do we run? How do we run? We run to win. We run to win. Maybe it'd be cool to watch the Olympics and somebody signed up to run to lose. They just kind of run the wrong way. Maybe it's like a NASCAR race somewhere and they're driving the wrong direction. But maybe kind of, I like that. I think it'd be a cool video put together, YouTube fail, like what not to do. Nobody ever signs up for a race to get last. Like nobody signs up in the race not to win. Only one person wins the race. And so we're going to run the race to win. It says all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. We do it for something bigger than you can win on this planet. We do it for Jesus. We do it for his glory. We, we do it for eternal treasures. We do it to make our Father proud. We do it for authority in heaven. We do it for something you can't see here. It's not going to make sense to everybody around us, but we do it for an eternal prize. And so I run the race with purpose in every single step. Every step. Some purpose. Choices. And I'll tell you something. It's more spiritual than you think. All these choices add up. Every step makes a difference. God's saying every step's on purpose. You run the race. You're going to go a direction. Don't think you're going to find it. It's not here on earth. God's calling you something bigger. If you're honest, you know, it's easier to place our eternal purpose and our eternal prize with an earthly destination, isn't it? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's pretty comfortable. It's pretty easy. Got this down. I managed, man. Life is good. And all of a sudden, we just get stuck. We forget that God's calling us on a mission to something way bigger than we can attain to here on earth. And it's very easy to run our race the opposite direction or to go the wrong way. You know, we had this amazing conversation uh, with his pastors this last week at a group that I meet with called New Thing. And it was a very uh, humbling conversation, a very interesting conversation. I've uh, been in church leadership for quite a while, and I've never had a conversation quite like this. And they read this passage and asked the question, what's your prize? And they said, don't give me this Sunday school answer. I'm like, oh, man, I knew that one, you know. But what's your, what's your real prize? Like, what's your, what do we replace our eternal reprises with the earthly destination. What's, what's a destination you might be running towards a pastor? Like, what's the temptations? What's the things in front of you? And if you're honest with yourself, you'll find some of these maybe to relate to you. But we might say this, and this is a group of pastors, and this is like so awesome that they can say this, but hey, you know what? I believe I want people to like me too much. Man, ding. I want to be the smartest person in the room. Ding. I want people to recognize me. I want others to understand me. I want to kind of be in control of stuff. I want to work out. I don't want people to kind of push me around and have an agenda, but I want to put myself above others sometimes. Like as a pastor, as a leader, you see this. I want to put people from, or myself from people. I want to be stronger than I am. I want to be like super Christian, Superman. Kind of lone ranger. I want to make it happen on my own. I, I just want to be that person that can, can just work it out. It just all comes together because I'm just so great. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think each of us have battled these different things in our own lives at different levels. I know have as a leader for Christ that these things can be in front of us at different times. And so if we're not careful, we can actually say we're running for the prize, but really just running for ourselves. Amen? If we're not careful to look inside our own life. So what, what's your prize you're running after? 
Is it the er eternal prize of Jesus or is the earthly destination here on earth? You know, you think about your choices, what motivates you to make that choice? I'm gonna tell you something, your divine direction is more important than your earthly destination. That God's taking you somewhere you can't see yet, that this world isn't your home. You're not from here. You're not gonna stay here. That God's calling you something bigger than what you can see. There's way more than meets the eye. You're not gonna arrive on this destination on the side of eternity. So don't try to plant your roots too deep in this world because God's calling you to the next. Because every step has a purpose. Every step has a purpose. You know, uh, uh, in my life, I just got kind of rocked with like two kids, right? And uh, you guys have been there. And so now like uh, our, our steps are different. So like I'm gonna go to Target or anywhere outside the, my house. And all my steps kind of are different now. It's kind of like a military operation. Because we kind of got to know what time we're going to leave based upon what kind of chaotic situation is going to happen if the kids are getting fed or things are going to be thrown or broken. And so we got to prevent a nuclear war or some kind of meltdown. And so we plan what exact time to go somewhere. And then when we get there, we have these extra bags packed full of stuff to be prepared on our mission. And then we are going down the aisles and our young, or Jack is going down stripping the aisles of stuff, trying to break everything possible. One kid's screaming. So we have an evacuation plan. We have a plan to just get out as fast as possible. And so we no longer shop, which I, I'm happy with. We just go get things. So I get my three things and I'm out. Like we're not here to peruse. We're just gonna get select and leave. We're gonna, I made the mistake. This is a rookie mistake, by the way. My oldest boy, Jack, he loves, only boy, Jack, what am I saying? He loves, sorry, Emery, you're not offended yet. That's great. Um, she's sleeping through my sermon again. I can't believe that, man. This has happened two weeks in a row. But Jack, he loves blueberries. He loves fruit. And so I made the, the novice rookie mistake of walking in and going to the fruit first. What I didn't learn is you're supposed to lie to your children. And um, I mean, I didn't say that. You're supposed to pretend like they didn't see it. And so you get other things and you sneak the fruit in underneath it so they don't know to have a meltdown the entire time you're at Walmart, you know. And so I made that rookie mistake the other day and uh, I didn't really, and I've learned. I've learned to deceive your children. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But every step is planned. Every step. Every step, we know every step. We're gonna divide and conquer. If this is gonna happen, we'll go here. And we're gonna park close. Man, I gotta pull that car over. Gotta do this, gotta do that. Everything is planned out, and God has a plan for your steps. God wants every step to be planned out in your life. So the first principle is that your destination is not as important as your direction. The second thing is this, the who before the do. Get your who before your do. God's more concerned with who you are becoming than what you do. God's concerned about who you're becoming more than what you do. If you say, hey, what's the will of God in my life? Well, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, so if you want to the will of God, it says God's will for you is to be an accountant, is to be a lawyer, is to be a missionary. Okay, it doesn't say that. You all know that, right? God's will for life is to be holy. God's will for life is to be somebody. God's will for life is to be a who, not to do something. God's not going to talk about your career. God's talking about what is to be holy. The word for holy is hagios. It means to be set apart. It means you're different than the world. You're not going to be conformed to the world, but transformed into the image of Christ. And so if you're trying to find your identity in things around you and the people around you and the things around you and the pleasures of the world, you're not going to find yourself anywhere close where God wants you to be because God wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be somebody on the inside and not do something on the outside. He's calling you to be a who. See, the Bible there talks about a career to be like Christ. He just calls about character and talks about calling and talks about a thing of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Jesus only mentioned a career a few times in the Bible. And when he did, he said, hey, that job you got, yo, disciples, that job, you leave behind and come follow me. Forget that stuff you're doing, come follow me. Because who you're following is more important than what you're doing. Because we're doing something different. 
because it's not about what you do on the outside. I know we want to attain to something. We want to have some kind of accomplishment. We want to sit up on the top and say, man, I've been there. I arrived. Look how great I am. But God's not calling you to that. God's not calling you to be some significant thing on earth. He's calling you to be somebody significant in the kingdom. He's calling you to be different on the inside. So don't ask the question, what does God want me to do? Ask the question, who does God want me to become? Because when you're being the right thing, God's going to lead you to the right stuff. God's going to reach the right place. Now, uh, I don't want anybody to like be gentle on this question, okay? Because I might go home crying if you don't answer right, so we'll see how it goes, but it'll be good. How many of you would say it's probably God's will that I'm a pastor? Put your hand up now if you got it. Nobody believes that. All right, perfect. All right, well, that destroys the rest of the sermon. Let's go ahead and pray. Almost one year old real life. No, I'm just kidding. 51 weeks. I'm just kidding. Love you guys. But, but to be honest with you, uh, God's will for me primarily is not to be a pastor. God's will for my life is to be holy. God's will for my life is to be set apart to him. I would argue that being a pastor is my secondary calling. Being a pastor is my secondary purpose. It's a secondary will for my life. It's not really about all the stuff I'm doing. It's about who I am on the inside, that I'm following Christ and becoming more like him. Here's the thing. You can be a pastor and do that, but really not be that spiritual. Like, I can preach, like, the most amazing message in the city today. Well, that'd be really cool, right? Maybe. I don't know. I could do that. But if I go home and I abuse my family, I'm not in God's will. If I don't have the character to keep it, then it's not in God's will. Or I can have, be the most charismatic leader and we can have these great accomplishments, do all this cool stuff. But if I can't keep track of the church finances and lead the church well and take care of God's resources that he stewards with, then I'm not outside of God's will. Here's the point. It's not what I do. It's who I am. It's who I am. God is calling me to a who. So God would rather me do something else that's not spiritual, quote unquote, right, than to be in front of everybody and be spiritual. Is that making sense? He's not, call, he's not calling me to, to do something. He's calling me to be something. I believe this. God rather me do anything else with integrity than be a pastor or a leader for Christ without integrity. He'd rather me do anything else. Anything in the world, just be who you're supposed to be. Follow Christ because God's concerned more, concerned more with who I am than what I'm doing. What does it may look like for you? Maybe uh, you're in a situation where you're like, man, it's getting kind of serious in my relationship and I'm not sure if I should marry that person. I'm not sure if this question's coming. I've been dating for a long time. I'm not sure what I should do. Well, are you following Jesus? Or are you better because you're with that person? Does that person lead you closer to Christ? Is that person following Christ? Because God's concerned about who they are and who you are. Maybe you have a job situation. You could take a job here in Kansas City, maybe move to Indianapolis or whatever else. But the question is really necessarily what you should you do. But can you follow Christ in either situation? Are you going to be faithful to what Christ does in your life? Maybe you're in college, like, man, I don't know my major. That's like 99% of everybody, right? Like, my major's undecided. The number one major of all college freshmen, maybe even seniors, right? Undecided. College is the best 10 years of my life. And I'm, I'm only got a bachelor's. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I really am. But what should you major in? Should I be pre-med? Should I be elementary ed? Should I do this? All this stuff. Like, what is it? What's the will of God? Hey, be faithful and follow Christ. Be faithful and follow Christ. Be who Christ wants you to meet. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. And the last thing is this. I want to challenge you with this. Not only is what you do or your destination is more important than or your direction is more important than your destination, but know this. Know the why before the what. Man, your motives, motives matter to God. Your motives, why you do something matters to God. It says in Proverbs 16, too, it says, you may think everything you do is right. Anybody know anybody like that? Like everything they do is right. They never do anything wrong. I mean, everything's perfect. Like just roses. You know what I'm talking about. Everything's right. The Bible says you can be self-deceived and you can do everything right on the outside, 
but the Lord judges your motives. You might have the wrong intention, the wrong motive on the inside. The motives matter to God. There's two reasons why we do something. We do it because other people think it's awesome, and there's like the real reason, right? It's like we do different things. And so think about this. I had teenagers, and now if you've had teenagers or kids, man, they like to butter it up, don't they? I love you, Dad. Dad, I'm like, what? Looking for my wallet, right? I love you. You're so awesome. I did the dishes today. I took out the trash. Is there anything that can help with that? Anything around the house? Anything you can do? You know, I love I love to serve anything, man. You're so great. You're so awesome. Oh, hey, can we go buy my car this week? Hmm. Interesting. I was wondering if there was another motive there, right? And because motives matter to God and they matter to me, I was like, you know, there's a really cool car we can go get. It's called a Honda Civic hatchback. It's your mom's car in the garage. It's kind of beat up. You're going to be driving that for the next few years. And that's what we gave them, right? And thank God we did because they destroyed it. And I'm glad I didn't spend any money on that thing because it ran everything. Am I preaching to somebody today? You know what I'm talking about. You guys all did that, right? But motives matter to God. It's just amazing prayer you could pray during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's in Psalms 139. It's a prayer out to God. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's anything in my life that doesn't line up to you and lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, if you look in your own heart, if you're real honest, now if I look at my own life, it's kind of scary. Like, why am I doing the things I do? And it's so scary how often it's me first. Like how scary it is, like I'm putting myself in front of Christ or putting myself in front of others. And God is showing me, hey, look, it's not about you, it's about me. And so here's the problem I think about this. It's almost impossible to get where God wants you to go with the wrong motive. Like you're not going to make it in the race. Like you're not going to end up finish, getting the finish line. You're going to go the opposite direction that God wants you to do because the why matters to God. Think about this. Should I buy the car? Why do you want to buy the car? Because you want transportation? Or do you want to have like a really cool social status that costs a lot of money you can't afford? No amens. Man, that's harsh. All right, that was kind of harsh. But, you know, why do you want to buy the car, right? I see so many people driving something. It's like, man, can you afford that? Like, I don't know how people can afford some of this stuff. Can you make that happen? Maybe you're complimenting somebody. Like, oh, you're the best. Oh, you're so awesome. I love your shirt. Your shoes are amazing. Why are you saying that? Like, do you want that? Do you really believe that? Or you, like, want something returned? Do you want them to kind of pad the answer? But, oh, yeah, you're awesome, too. Or maybe you're posting on social media. This would never happen. Never happen. Post on social media. Why are you posting on social media some of the stuff you post on social media? Because you just like are so happy about the things that are going on. You're like, dude, look how awesome I am. Look at my biceps. Oh, man, Jim, biceps. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Like, get that perfect shot. Like, come on, dude. That, you're not that clean looking in the gym. You know, you put makeup on for the gym. Crazy people. <laughs> Brian puts makeup on in the gym. <laughs> oh, man. If you post a picture this week with you with makeup on, I'm going to love it. But look what Paul says. <laughs> yeah. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, and whatever you do, anything in life, wherever you do, wherever you go, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. Wherever you do, whatever you go, do it in the name of Jesus. Many of you are a stay-at-home mom, and you're changing all these diapers, and you're doing all this laundry, and there's every inch of your carpet is just covered in Cheerios, ground in there, and you're never going to get them out. Man, do it all for the glory of Jesus, but be who God has called you to be. Maybe you're working a minimum wage job. Maybe you took a job that pays hardly anything what you used to make. Do it all for the glory of God. Cook those burgers for Jesus. Roof the house like you're roofing Jesus' house. Maybe your boss is kind of a mean person, a little bit of a jerk. Man, love that boss jerk. Like all the love of Jesus in the world, amen? Do it all for the glory of God. Do it right now, where you're at. Be planted, be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful right here in this moment. Wherever God has you, be as faithful as possible to him and he will take you to where he needs to bring you. See, people think successful leaders had like a few like easy choices to make and they're super successful. And what I've found is complete opposite. 
Well, I found it's not like, oh man, they got their lucky break. It was a daily, every single choice. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna be generous. Man, private, private sacrifice. Nobody knows I'm doing this. Private victory. Private hurt. Private pain. I'm gonna follow Jesus. And God is trusting you. We're giving you more and more. And he's extending your reach because you're faithful with the small stuff. You're faithful with the little things. They add up to your direction. It's countless private sacrifices and victories. So get this, be faithful to God and he'll extend your reach. What God has put in your hand, be faithful to it because he'll fulfill eventually what God has put in your heart. There's a dream in your heart, amen? There's something God's calling you to do. There's something that God wants for your life. There's something bigger than you could even see and we're not gonna sacrifice it. We're gonna be faithful to the small thing that God's put in our hand. You be faithful to the thing that maybe the thing you don't like. Maybe it's your job. Maybe your family is just not fun right now. But be faithful to your family. Be faithful to the thing that God's put right here in your hand. And God is going to fulfill the dreams and the values and the things inside your heart because motives matter to God. We've got to get the why before the what. Let me just tell you a story. I haven't shared this story. Um, there's a guy in my life, I haven't mentioned him yet during this series. We talked a lot about Paul's. And this is one of those Paul guys in my life. And this person I met in college, and it's just by happen chance, they would end up on the same floor my freshman year. And this guy was different. There was something about him that I couldn't recognize at that time because my maturity level as a Christian wasn't where it needed to be. But I recognized that he had a spiritual walk that was really, really powerful. And uh, throughout this time in college, I saw this person serve. And he loved to serve. This person would go in the neighborhoods and he would, he would spend time with kids. He would pick up kids in the streets that needed home. It was a very poor area. He would take them to get food. He'd bring them to church. He just loved on people. He was super organic. Matter of fact, uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit, he was out um, in Texas, and he decided it'd be a good idea to check on his family. He has a couple, his uh, grandparents live uh, down by New Orleans, and he, so he decided to drive into Hurricane Katrina as it was hitting. It was like his, that was his heart. Like, I'm, I gotta serve, I gotta, I gotta make sure they're okay. I'm gonna drive into the eye of the storm. And he didn't make it. He got held up and uh, got, got put into the, uh, the football stadium there, if you remember the pictures, and he became a Red Cross worker in the name of Jesus. And he spent time with people literally as they died and were sick and lost family members in bereavement. And he got a crazy little Red Cross sticker on his uh, SUV and drove down to the, the very next morning after the storm had rolled through to the front lines of where it made impact. And God had used that man to, to make a big difference there. And his heart was like, man, I can't believe his heart. Like, That's crazy. Same thing happened in Haiti. The earthquake hit. And he already had a plan to go to Haiti. He had actually had bought tickets. Uh, before this all happened, obviously had no idea an earthquake was going to hit. And he shifted his tickets as soon as the earthquake hit. And he said, hey, I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic as fast as possible. I'm going to get my boots on the ground and spend as long as possible in Haiti to make a difference. And so he went to Haiti and, uh, you know, through Dominican Republic. And he used to have story after story of just uh, helping people in their last moments. Just story after story of being there uh, in, in the worst part of life. And that was just hard to serve people. And it's hard to make a difference. And you might uh, um, recognize this man. He came to speak at our church. His name was Mike McKelvin. And you might find him today in um, the poorest people in the world hanging out with the kids without shoes on, and him included, run around playing soccer and trying to tell people about Jesus. And I'm just gonna tell you something. It wasn't all the stuff he did that attracted me to him. It wasn't what he did. It wasn't his status. It wasn't all those other things. It was who he was. It was who he was. That God is calling you to be a who. That God is calling you to be a who. God's calling you to be somebody. God's calling you to be somebody. God's calling you to be different. God's calling you to be somebody. You gotta find people like that in your life. You gotta find people like Mike. You gotta find people that love God more than you do. And you gotta follow in their footsteps. They follow me as I follow Christ. You gotta find somebody. That's why it's so important to get involved in the life group. It's so important to meet people in a relationship. You can't just show up and feel like you got fed like one meal a week and go home. 
You gotta have people in your life that are saying, follow me as I follow Christ. You gotta challenge you to the soul. You gotta find your Paul. I believe this, man. God is calling you not to do something, but to be someone. He's not calling you to do something. You can change that. We can change what we're gonna do any day of the week, but you can't change who you are. And God wants to change who you are from the inside out. And being dying, we joke all the time. This is kind of random morbid joke, I guess, but we're joking like, man, what, what's going to be like when, uh, when Emery, we just had a uh, little daughter here, when, when she goes off to college and gets married, like, man, we're going to be so old, you know, okay. some of you guys are like, no, no, you're young still, you know, but we're going to be old, we're going to be old, right, we're going we're gonna to be like, man, you know, and then we have more kids, let's so say we have like, you know, the five kids, <laughs> Diane's looking at me like, yeah, right, she's done with that, <laughs> But say so I have more kids, like, man, what, what's going to be like? And, you know, honestly, you like, obviously, my life's a third over at best, okay? I'm going to be 99. I make it to 99. So you're like, man, you're pretty young. You're doing pretty good. But, you know, I have enough for, like, forethought to go, man, my life is not going to last forever. So I'm a third the way there. Like, my race, maybe, at best, third the way there. So I start thinking kind of random thoughts, and we kind of joke, like, man, what's it going to be like one day? And so I think, man, like, one day my life's going to be over. One day is going to be my last day, and I hope it didn't happen while I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm, like, preaching the message, like, he gone. <laughs> Yes, shortest message ever. <laughs> he gone. But you know, I can imagine like my last day and uh, I'm, I'm laying on my deathbed and I'm holding my wife's hand and because if she goes before me, it's gonna get ugly. I'm, I'm not that guy. It's just gonna be ugly. And I got my kids around me and I can promise you we're not gonna talk about uh, my 10 years as, as a youth pastor how cool it was to do all this cool stuff and create these ministries and see people come to Christ. And we're probably even gonna talk about how awesome it was to, to launch Real Life Church. Like, which is a vision in our heart and uh, nothing in our pocket. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about how successful real life was in this first year, how cool it was to baptize people on our one-year birthday. We're not going to talk about that stuff. Like, that's going to be so far gone. But we're going to talk about is how much we love our kids and how proud we are of them for just a little piece of the story we got to help them write and how awesome is that the glory of God that we've been together so long, whether it's 40, 50 years that we've been married and been faithful to each other. And when I die, people are going to say, hey, how was your dad? How was your friend? How was your sibling? You're going to talk to me in terms of who I was, not what I did. I believe God is calling you to be a who. God's calling you to be the best husband you can be. God's calling you to be the best leader you can be. He's calling you to be the best father that you can be. This is the highest calling that God is calling you to be, is to be the best who that you can be because God is not concerned about what you do as much as he is about who you are. God is calling you to be someone to be, but somebody else believes you enough to say you can be this person. I want you to think about Jesus on that cross. Why did he go to the cross? Matter of fact, the Bible says he carried his cross step by step. The world around him is gonna crucify him. The very people he's gonna die for and love have betrayed him and they're gonna kill him on the cross. He's taking step by step. Why can you do that? Because he knew who he was and why he was here. He knew who he was. He was the son of God. He knew he had a mission to be the savior of the world. Why is he here? Because he's going to seek and save that which is lost. He had a purpose. He knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. He was focused on his eternal prize. He wasn't going to be sidetracked. He could have called down legions of angels to destroy humanity, but said, you know what? I'm going to follow the prize that God has set before me. Every step matters. Every step matters. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to walk through the pain. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. Instead of focusing on everything out there, we should be faithful to the path that God has put in front of us, just one step at a time. The Bible says this, that man plans his purposes, but God directs his steps. Is God directing your steps this morning? Now, I don't want you to miss your divine direction. Just think about this just for a second. 
If you're becoming the right who, then God will choose your right do. You see the order there? We become who God wants us to be. And if you're driven by the right why, you have the right motive, then God will give you the right what, amen? God will give you the desires of your heart when we're doing the things that we should be doing for him. And so this morning, I just wanna encourage you as we wrap up this series that I believe in you, that we believe in you. We believe God has a purpose for you. And that every step, every choice, everything you come to with your Paul, everything you face every day, man, go before God and say, what do you want me to do with my steps? Because our steps are limited. They're not gonna last forever. They're gonna take us on a journey. And I want that journey for my life and that journey for your life to take us as close to Jesus as possible with as many people with us, amen? And that's the story of our church. Father, we come before you. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.